0: Hello everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of "La Magica. This is episode 76, to be exact. My name is Sam Rubio. I'm the producer of the show. We had Mr. Greg. Similuca in the books for today's episode but unfortunately he couldn't make it last minute and we understand things happen but we expect him to be here on the show soon. For today's episode we have a couple of great guests um, both of them they've been on the show before uh, one of them is Sam Bannister from Yolo Rossi Yorkshire and we also have James Bass that was on with us a couple of months ago for his first appearance on the show. Uh, Sam how are you how's everything?
1: I'm good, thanks, yeah. Um, everything's going well for me, uh, so yeah, looking forward to being back on the show. Thanks for having me again.
0: James, how are you?
2: I'm okay, thank you very much, and thanks for having me again.
0: All right, so we, without further ado, uh, let's jump into into the topics that we have here for today's episode. Um, obviously, we're going to review and talk about what has happened on this crazy 2020. Uh, we're going to focus on... I know some of the players that we like the most? What are some of the disappointments of the season? And we're going to heavily focus a little bit more on the second half of the season, which is the most important one, right? Um, So let's get started with that. Um, Sam, what do you think um, your surprise player of the season is and your disappointment also? We'll start with you.
1: I think for the surprise player of the season, there would be two names that naturally stand out. Two players who came in January with... Maybe limited expectations, maybe players that we didn't know too much about, and that would be Gonzalo Villar and Roger Ibanez, neither of whom we really knew much about, but both have made a significant impact on the team. Uh, Ibanez especially becoming a regular starter at the back. Villar in midfield starting to become more of a regular starter. And he is the one who has particularly impressed me with the way he's applied himself in the team, always plays with composure, and yeah, who would have thought that those kind of players could make such a rise from being relative unknowns to to now being regular players for a team fighting near the top of the table and producing consistent performances week in, week out.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's let's talk about the surprises first, and then we move on to the disappointments. Um, yeah, and I agree with you on these two players. Uh, earlier in the season, my favorite player coming up was um, Roger Ibanez, right? Uh, but what uh, Gonzalo Villar has shown in the last few weeks has really been unbelievable. There, you wrote an article today, Sam, about about Gonzalo Villar, how he has 12, every time he started for Roma this season, Roma hasn't lost 12 matches, 10 wins and two ties, right? The only two losses that we have against Atalanta and Napoli when he didn't start. Um, just to think about, he was playing for Elche about a little bit over 12 months ago, and, and Roger Ibanez, before, this, um, before coming to Atalanta, he was playing for Fluminense. And this is, we're talking about, what, 12, 13, 14, 16 months ago? Now the, both of them are playing at the highest level. That's unbelievable. Uh James, wh- who is your surprise of the season?
2: Um probably Roger Ibáñez, I think, because I've been particularly impressed with him. Um, uh because coming from Atalanta and uh recent experience with buying players from Atalanta has been a bit mixed. Um and not all of them have excelled elsewhere. So um uh but he didn't of course hadn't played much for Atalanta and um but I was really impressed virtually from the start by him. I think several things impressed me. His commitment is very committed, but he's um he's got a good uh, range of passing, you know, he can uh, he's good in possession and his tackling, you know, and positional sense. Tackling and so,
0: timing, right? It's great.
2: Yes, absolutely. He often makes, you know, the right tackle at the right time and avoids giving away, you know, uh free kicks, dangerous free kicks or even penalty kicks. So um, Roger Ibanez would be my revelation, really, <laughs> of the year.
0: I mean, the the good thing is that we had we had to think about this one. Right, there were a couple youngsters uh, that um, that surprised us this year. And as far as the disappointments, let's start with you, James.
2: Um, disappointments would be well, I suppose um, the situation with the goalkeeper is is, is disappointing for me, particularly because. We were a few years ago we were absolutely rock solid in goal when we had Allison. And now we've gone through what we're on our third goalkeeper since Allison, Mirante, who's, you know, um fairly reliable, but not I wouldn't say much more than that. And I think we are looking at a situation where either next month or in the summer we're gonna be looking at our fourth goalkeeper, you know, in the last um three years, basically, because uh, we're uh, we're not really covered in that position. So I think position-wise, goalkeeper. I also, I thought, and I have seen flashes from Carlos Perez that made me think there's a really good player in there, but um, we haven't seen it enough. Obviously, his minutes have been relatively limited and he's mainly been used as a substitute in Serie A and as a starter in the Europa League. So, Um, I'm a bit, you know, I thought we'd see more of him, um, particularly as, you know, their three main starting players in the are all post-30, Mkhitaryan, Dzeko and Pedro. So I thought we'd see more of him. And the fact we haven't, has been a disappointment. Whether he stays in, you know, for the remainder of the season, I don't even know. So there's obviously something that Fonseca doesn't, um, you know, isn't fully convinced by, it, which uh, has been a bit of a disappointment for me.
0: It's funny how we, vote, um, how we go to the goalkeeper position and then we go to the right back position because those are the two positions that we all Romanisti um, uh, feel the need that they need to be uh, addressed soon, right? Yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, Paul Lopez came with a big uh, tag prize and that's what really hurt in Roma. Roma is trying to give him back, to, bring him back to life, but I feel like that Roma is just not the place for him. Maybe he can find confidence somewhere else. He's not a bad keeper; it's just um, none, on, n- none of the Roma keepers right now are giving you that feel of security. Right, that feel of okay, I got my keeper that is going to watch my back. Maybe, yeah. maybe Mirante um, started the season um, a little bit solid. He's become a little bit le- less secure too. in like I always said, if we have two keepers, if we're rotating between two keepers all the time, we don't really have a keeper, right? I think Mirante is a great keeper for um, to have as a as a substitute keeper, as a uh, reserve, maybe even a third keeper going down the line. He's a good person to have, but really not as a starter. Uh, what, what do you think, Sam?
1: Yeah, with the goalkeeper situation, it's it's obviously not ideal. I've always been uh, someone who's praised Mirante. I've always believed in him. Um, and he did start the season really strongly. And then over the last couple of games, has made a couple of errors, maybe lapses in concentration. Um, it's not an ideal situation, having a, a 37-year-old as as the starter or maybe rotating between them. Um, but I can only echo your thoughts that as a second-choice keeper, I couldn't ask for many better goalkeepers than Antonio Mirante. So the problem is, who do we have as the main goalkeeper? You know, Paul Lopez isn't a bad keeper, but he hasn't really made fascinating saves in the way that Allison did. And we're not expecting anyone. But he to... was
0: doing, I'm sorry to cut you off. He was doing so well until the derby game, his mistake on the derby game last January. You're right. right? Um, so, it's, you know, he was doing so great. And after that was a confidence, just went to the floor.
1: Yeah. Um, that was a, a mistake and obviously had an impact on, on the result of that game, which is such a significant game. Maybe that has impacted him, but
0: he was never the same you would have after expected that, him... I
1: think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And it's strange how it's taken so long for him to recover and he's maybe still not there, but he is a good keeper at the end of the day, but does he need to go somewhere else to get his confidence back? Or does he need to now have a run of games in the team? And Fonseca says, okay, Mirante has done well for the most part, at the start of this season. But now, let's give Paulo Lopez a run of games and let's trust him and see if that builds his confidence back up. I don't know what the answer is, really, but maybe either way, he needs to play and needs some way to get back to doing what he does best.
0: And before we talk about the winter mercato, I want to talk about Paulo Fonseca because he's getting a lot of heat when Roma loses and he gets a lot of praise when Roma wins. Um, we all Romanistic we don't seem to find that balance, that middle ground. I always say it on my Spanish podcast, right? We're not that great, but we're also not that bad. We're a developing team, right? What do you guys make of uh, Paulo Fonseca's season, second season at the club? James.
2: Well, I do have a bit of a love-hate relationship, just like you described, because sometimes I can like, think he's really good, and other times I can think, but after, particularly after the game against Atalanta, I and the the Napoli defeat, heavy defeats that we had in Naples and Bergamo, I, I was a bit more um, relaxed about the performance against Napoli. Terrible performance, of course, but I, you know, there were a number of circumstances that made me think, well, you know, um, it is the first time we've played really poorly this season, and. There were all sorts of circumstances that, and we've seen Napoli struggle recently. You know, against teams we've beaten quite comfortably. Um, So, uh, you know, there was all sorts of circumstances. Being the first game Napoli played since uh, the death of Maradona was announced, so it was
0: bad timing to play them. Yes,
2: absolutely, yes, particularly you know an away game in Naples. Um, But the performance against Atalanta, I thought, was really poor. And um, I didn't agree with some of his selections for that game. and uh, Or maybe and, and lack when...
0: of reaction on time?
2: Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. And when things started to... Like Gasparini made his substitutions at half time, particularly bringing in Ilicic, which altered the complexion of the game, you could say, um, completely. Um, yeah, Gasparini
0: uh, was proactive and uh, maybe Fonseca was reactive.
2: Yes, but it looked like to some, I think, that... I read comments like Fonseca played his best cards from the start and Gasparini thought, well, you know, it's a 90-minute game and if things don't go well at the start, I've always got the option to change things. And he did that, and it seemed to work, his strategy. A lot easier with
0: a player like Ilisic, right?
2: Indeed, yes. Um, having said that, though, Fonseca has this knack of of like remedying things very quickly. And we had the game against Cagliari, fortunately, before... The uh, the break and um, you know, we you know won that game even though um, and generally played pretty much I would say dominated that game outside a ten fifteen minute period at the start of the second half when we conceded the equalizer and very nearly went behind when Calgary you know headed against the crossbar so I would say for a second I I mean the fact is we are we are not even what we were uh, just over about 40% of of the way through this season so far 14 so matches played yes yeah so we can only really make a partial judgement we we i think everybody generally accepts that whether fonseca gets a new contract or not because of course his contract expires in the summer will be dependent on uh, whether you know he can finish in the top 4 or not which looks which looks doable this year particularly as so many of the other clubs have problems um, around us. Um, so, um, but, but I think it will also be important to see how we play. And I think January will be crucial because there are seven games in January, um, six in Serie A and one in the Coppa Italia, and, and we play six of them at the Olimpico, and that includes the away derby against Lazio in the middle of the month. And I think at the end of that, say in a month's time, we'll have um, a much better idea about how you know, where we sit with Fonseca. Because if you cast your mind back 12 months, we had we finished the the um, uh, the first part of last season with a great 4-1 win at Fiorentina, and then we came crashing down to earth in January and early February with a disastrous string of results that probably. I think you could say, cost us. Yeah, from, cost. from
0: January to the beginning of the lockdown, right?
2: Yes, yeah. The results were very poor in January and, and didn't pick up an awful lot. And the performances didn't even pick up that much. Um, I know we got past Ghent in the last 32 of the Europa League, but we weren't convincing at all. So um, so this, you know, I think any judgment is partial. And for me, it's uh, I would say... If I was to grade it, I would say satisfied so far. And but I think the real test for Fonseca is to come over the next five months, particularly January.
0: I'm satisfied with Fonseca's work so far. A lot of Romanisti gave him a lot, like I was saying, a lot of stick for losing to the so-called top six or the uh, direct rivals, right? Like Atalanta and, um, and Napoli. Sam, do you think? Uh what's costing Roma to win those matches against those, um, le- like I was saying, direct rivals? Um, Is you think it's Fonseca, the team just shuts off. And what do you think has been the problem with that?
1: Um, well, I actually uh, had a look into this after the Atalanta game and tried to look at the results against the direct rivals and maybe if there are any reoccurring themes. And I, I wrote this in an article, um, but just to give some more of the general thoughts from that.
0: I actually read that article. If you're not following Yellow Rossi Yorkshire, you're missing out. Yeah, so you know.
1: (laughs) Thanks very much. Um, So, yeah, one of the the themes I looked at in that was that the problem isn't so much taking the lead against teams that we're competing against. Um, I don't think we have a problem, you know, competing with them like that. It's once we're in front, how do we manage those leads? So, obviously, we went in front against Atalanta and then that fell apart in the second half. And I think what we need to do is learn how to manage those games better. You could look at the game against Inter Milan towards the end of last season when we conceded the late penalty. We were on cost to win that one. There was the Juventus game towards the start of this season. Again, we probably could have, should have won that one, ended up drawing. Um, I think, Basically, we need to, once we've got a lead against these teams, work out how to build on it rather than maybe sitting off too much, see if we can go two goals up because that's something that's not happened that often. Um, so if we can find a way of doing that, getting more confident once we are in front, um, then maybe the players start expressing themselves a bit more rather than being too defensive perhaps. and That should turn some of those draws into wins. I'd also say maybe that Fonseca always seems to go for his strongest lineup in these games when sometimes he needs to show trust in some other players, maybe. Sometimes his main starters aren't ready um, if they've been injured and or that's something. That's
0: why he takes a little bit too long to make the substitutions, you think?
1: Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Um, that could be an explanation. Uh, but we do have talented players, not just the starting 11. So whether that's rotating them from the start of the game or making subs a little bit earlier than he does, there are players who can make an impact who aren't necessarily his first-choice players. And maybe it's just finding the way to balance the squad the best so that we can get results in the biggest games.
0: One of those first-choice players that you talked about um, this season has been Henrik Mikitarian. I do want to talk about his performances because I feel like he's been Roma's top player this season and making a case for one of the best players in the league. I, f- I feel like he's been that good with seven goals and seven assists. Uh, James, what do you make of Henrik Mkhitaryan so far? Because I feel like Arsenal fans might be, like, might be thinking, we let him go, what, for free? No way.
2: Well, I saw some comments when he left Arsenal from Arsenal fans on social media and they weren't that upset, which discouraged me a bit <laughs> to say the least but that's been you know he's confounded those um uh c- critics if you like how did I
0: mean, that he... work out for them
2: <laughs> yeah indeed and um he uh i mean w- you know we you, we think back to the hat-trick at genoa when we not only did he score three goals but the quality of the goals were excellent finishing really good and um uh, you know, when we're, we're the third highest goal scorers in the division now, 31 goals. So, and he's, as you say, he's been a big part of that. Um, and he's playing in an ideal position uh, for him. And, a little um, bit more
0: centrally, not out wide so much, right?
2: Yes, that's right. And, um, you know, he's able to find it easier to get shots on target. And uh, uh, we've seen a really quality player. Um, you know, the, the hope is... Uh, 31, I think I'm correct in saying, you know, hopefully he can sustain that for the rest of the season. Um, but I think, you know, key is going to be, uh, as we saw in, in the Europa League in the autumn where Fonseca did change, I mean, he seems to go from extremes, to be honest, with this reluctance to trust, if you like, players who aren't his first choice, to, to then putting out teams in the Europa League that were, you could say, pretty experimental, you know, players, a lot of players who didn't play a lot, like Juan Jesus playing Europa League games. So um, finding that balance, as was mentioned just now, is is going to be critical. And I think, you know, managing Mkhitaryan uh, for the rest of the season um, will also be critical because the games, as I said, there's going to be seven games in January alone. Now, you know, no player is going to play all those games. So um, and and. Depending what happens in the transfer market will be dependent. Will also affect how he's going to use them. He needs to use them, a Mkhitaryan players like that, quite carefully, I think, to make sure he gets the best out of them and doesn't burn people out. You know, because obviously after that there's still four months of the season left. You know.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and look at the Mikitarian stats. He's played the most minutes for uh, um for Roma this season in Serie A with uh twelve hundred and forty minute. Uh what do you make of um uh, of Henrik Miguel Tam? And you think he has been Roma's MVP so far?
1: Yeah, definitely. He's been unbelievable really. Um I thought last season he was he was showing form and then he had a little bit of an injury and then towards the second half of last season he really started to pick up form. But then this season he's just gone to another level. And he didn't he start the season so year.
0: hard. He became like he gradually became so good, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's taken on different responsibilities, sometimes played further forward uh, when Dzeko's not played. Uh, now, we've got Maya Rao since then, so he can play more as a number 10 like he's used to again. And in either of those roles that he's playing in, particularly as the attacking midfielder, he, he's been brilliant. And I do think this system that we're using at the minute suits him as well, because... He kind of has a bit of a free roll. He can get into different pockets of space, influence things, and his quality on the ball is absolutely amazing. Sometimes he'll be dribbling, and I don't know how he keeps hold of it sometimes, but the way he just manages to keep possession, keep Roma on the front foot, it's absolutely amazing sometimes. And the number of goals he's scored, and not just tappings as well, scored some really good goals. Um, yeah, just what a
0: player. Other names that deserve to be mentioned in the top performers so far this season, in my opinion, are Leonardo Spinazzola uh, and Lorenzo Pellegrini. What do you guys make of them? And if you guys have anybody to add to this, uh, James? Uh,
2: yeah, I'd agree with that. Spinazzola, Pellegrini as well. I think he's played well, although he doesn't always get, you know, he, he does come in for some criticism sometimes, but I, I think overall Pellegrini's, Played well, but it's a lot better like, when
0: well, he plays next to Miki on the on the more forward um part of the midfielder, not on the first line, right?
2: Yes, I think so. And um uh, he's also done quite a lot of really good if you see some of his defensive play has really improved, you know, um making quite important tackles to recover possession, you know, quite high up the pitch. Um so uh yeah, I think definitely uh, um uh, Pellegrini um you know, has been important this season, and Jeco as well. I mean, he's scored. You know, he's still um, he's still a, you know principal striker, and uh, as really because Mayoral, he's I got mean, six goals, yeah, yeah, and Mayoral's featured in some games, but um, hasn't you know come anywhere near to dislodging Jeco yet. So uh, I still think Jeco's an important focal point for the team. Because of course, he's the captain as well and um having players like that jeko mikaterian there's something of i think of an inspiration because as you mentioned earlier we we're, we're a relatively young team and although maybe in attack we're we're a bit lopsided because we're quite we've got three players over 30 um and i thought pedro started quite well some of his early performances this season were so really he wind important.
0: down a little bit right as the
2: season went on yes yes so we hope that he recovers uh, he can recover that form because uh, he played, um, uh, you know, uh, quite well actually in, uh, uh, you know, at the start.
0: Early on, but, yes. Yeah. Um, another name that I feel has picked up uh, picked up uh, on his performances is Carstors. Uh, after um, being uh, loaned away at Feyenoord, uh, he came back, and I think for me his biggest problem was staying healthy. Now that he stayed healthy, he's got to show a little bit of consistency. I don't know if he's a solution long-term, but I think um, for this season, he's been uh, decent. What do you make of him, uh, Sam?
1: Yeah, he was one name that I was going to mention as well. Um, I've been impressed with him. As you say, when he was first at the club, I don't think the problem was too much how he was playing. It was the fact that he wasn't playing because he was injured all the time. On the rare occasions, he was fit, I thought he looked okay. I thought he was promising, right. but he obviously needed the loan spell away to get his confidence back up. Now that he has been able to put a run of games together, I think he's, he has been really good and he's been building on the promise he was showing and he's been better than he was before, definitely, contributing in attack. And as you were saying, Sola has been one of the key players this season. And maybe towards the start, we were a little bit too reliant on, on him all the attacks going down the left-hand side. Now we've got Karsdorp performing as well, and that means that we've got better balance. We've now got equal threat down the left and the right, and that's only going to be a benefit for the team in the long term. I think they're both producing really good form, and that's essential to this system working, essential to the team performing overall. And, yeah, just really impressed with both of them. I think the weakness, if Castle has a
2: weakness, I don't think it's going forward, like you say. I think he's he's uh, you know quality it's player. He's crossing on. It is, and you think of the goal that we retook for Jeco that he laid on when we retook the lead against Cagliari in the game immediately before you know, the last game was excellent. His take from that superb pass from Ibanez was uh, his control was flawless, and then his run and cross were excellent. I think if he does have a problem, someone but I'm sure he can improve pretty confident. Can improve in this is sometimes his defending isn't isn't that great. um He'll be you know if, if the ball is played towards the far post, you know that our right hand side and he's defending. Sometimes it can be beaten in the air and he doesn't make uh, um, a strong enough challenge. But those are things I think that he can work on and improve on. Now he seems to have quite a good run in terms of his fitness, and um, I think certainly for this season. And maybe future seasons, he's definitely a a very serviceable player, you know.
0: All right, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about um, what's coming in in the Mercato. But before we talk about Mercato and what the most important position to address is, I want to ask you guys, what do you know about Thiago Pinto, the new sporting director? What do you think his philosophy is going to be or his line of work going to be for Roma, Sam?
1: Well, I must uh, I must say, my knowledge is very limited about him. Um, from what I understand, he's not strictly the sporting director, but he's more of a general manager. So maybe someone else will come in. But for the time being, for January, I think he is going to be the one leading all the operations, whatever those may be. Um, so he's been at.
0: He's done well um, in Portugal, for uh... yeah. What do you make of so, him, and yeah. James?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 information is a bit thin because he's has been actually, if I'm correct in saying it, the um a director at Benfica for, for, for he hasn't been a director there for a long time, but he definitely seems to have um been successful, and he's obviously impressed um uh the freakins because if you remember, there were several names that were um in contention c- candidates this role and you know, eventually settled on him to the media's surprise because the media don't seem to be that good at predicting what the kings are going to do so um, so uh, yeah I mean obviously him being Portuguese how that fits with one Fonseca, whether that helps Fonseca or not um, time will tell but there's potential there for him to well with Fonseca particularly if he does as you say you know, take that hands on role in uh, running the Mercato moves um uh so uh I'm hopeful that he can, you know, come in and do a good job because obviously the last experience we had with a foreign DS didn't go very well. So hopefully this time it will be <laughs> To say uh, the least, right? Yeah. To say the least. So um, hopefully this time it uh more positive, you know.
0: Yeah, he's got the record of uh recruiting uh very good talent and, and, and working with the youth academy, right? Also. So let's see let's see what he can do going forward. Um and, and I know we touched about it earlier in in the episode. Uh, what's the most important position to address this winter mercato? Is it goalkeeper because that's going to be tough with uh, with the numbers uh, that that are the, the numbers with with Paul Lopez right in his contract?
1: Yeah, uh, the goalkeeper obviously is a, a position we need to look at. Whether that's something we do in January. It's
0: going to be hard to find I a buyer for, for Paul Lopez, right? And then also ask, as buyers, um, if we want to buy someone within the league, let's say Silvestri from Verona or Cragno from Cagliari, right? Those teams are not going to let him go so easily or, or so cheap, let's say. So it's not going to be easy, to say the least.
1: Yeah, that's why I think if something does happen, it might be more likely to happen next summer. Um, right. There is a chance that something could happen in January, but I think that's maybe going to be a little bit too difficult to achieve so we might have to wait for that and just trust Murante and Lopez while we can um, and then see either if Lopez regains his form or if something else materialises and another option comes up in the summer but I think there is a chance that something could happen in January but I'm expecting the goalkeeper situation maybe to to be put on the shelf for a little bit and uh, to be revisited in the summer I think
0: What's your take on this, uh, James?
2: Well, I think it's quite tricky because so far, uh, with the freakings, we we it's quite difficult to find you know for the, the media they don't seem to be that informed in terms of what's happening, you know, and they get taken by a surprise. First, you yeah. know, we got this uh, news about Pinto came, you know, his name really wasn't mentioned, and then it came out of nowhere that he was he was uh, made official as the new uh, director, so or general manager, so um uh. I think the only way you really resolve the goalkeeping uh, problem is maybe if you look abroad, maybe South America, if there's a goalkeeper there, like when Sabatini um, managed to get Ellison uh, four years ago. So something like that would be, I think, a move that would potentially resolve the goalkeeping issue. yeah, you, yeah, but there's also the problem. The other problem is players going out the door. You've got Paul Lopez, who, if a new goalkeeper came, I think Paul Lopez would be the prime candidate to leave. Finding somewhere for him to go might not be so easy, but of course, he could always go on loan and then you could revisit. You know, it would be easier to like transfer him out, obviously, in the summer. So there's the option that he could go somewhere on loan. Then you have players like Fazio, who I know he played in the Europa League, but. Uh, quite a bit, but he's, you know, he's not not really had much in the way of playing time. Um, uh, what's going to happen with uh, Javier Pastore? I don't know, because um, he hasn't played at all this season so far, I think I'm right in saying. Certainly can't remember. And, uh, you know, does he, will he return? Will he be like a new player almost? Or will he, um, you know, what will happen to him? Yeah. Um, so there's players to go. I mean, Juan Jesus, whose contract, I think, ends at the end of this season. So does he stay? He, I mean, he was close. Well, not close. Yeah, I don't he think was... he's
0: staying past the summer.
2: Exactly. But it was speculated he was going to leave last summer. Didn't happen. So, I feel like um... his
0: wife didn't want to go anywhere, right? He's making $2.5 million in Rome. I don't think any other team is paying you that much. He, 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 he wanted to stay. <laughs>
2: Exactly, yes. And oddly, having been completely frozen out last season, this is another strange thing I find about Fonseca, he's now back in, maybe not full favour, but he's certainly back in favour to the fact he can start some games and play, play some minutes, you know. Um, so, uh, um, I would say that uh, I would expect one to two moves in January, particularly, of course, as Pinto is new, you know, he might not want to make um too many moves. I think it's a fine balance to be struck in terms of um uh you know making enough moves to make the squad strong enough to cement its place in the top four, because we're in third place at the moment, on the one hand, without maybe upsetting the balance of the squad and and um and uh maybe making moves that later on we end up regretting. So uh I, I would be looking, really, one to two transfers in, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, so what I don't want for um, for January, February, March, the month coming, is, an- uh, is another um, run of poor performances, right? Like Roma has shown the record of doing in the last few years, right? Um, if we can avoid that and stay consistency, I think we can reach our... Our targets, though, which was a, always was uh, making Champions League, right? Because not a lot, of, not a lot of Romanisti were very positive about uh, uh, us making Champions League. So I think we're on track, and we, I just don't want to see um, a poor run of performances and a poor run of results, right? I mean, the occasional bad result is okay, but I want, I don't want three, four, five matches. That's what cost us every year of reaching our targets. Um, Sam, I wanna, before we go, I want to talk to you and I want to ask you about AS Roma women. Um, the team, let's say, went with a little bit higher expectations than last season, but they currently sit uh, seven in the middle of the table with 13 points. Juventus leads the table with 27 points. Why, why, what's happened to the team and why haven't they closed the gap with the top teams in, 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 their, in Serie A women? The league.
1: Yeah, it's been a, a strange season that we didn't expect to go this way. Um, like you were saying about the men's team in recent seasons having a few bad results in a row. Uh, I don't think the women have been able to. They've not had a, a run of bad results. You know, five losses in a row, nothing like that. But they've not been able to put together a run of positive results either. So it's all been very mixed. Uh, We really expected that the team could kick on this season and maybe close the gap. For whatever reason, that hasn't happened. Um, Still competing in games. Um, So the last game was against Juventus, a 4 1 loss. But that was actually a lot closer than the the scoreline would suggest. There were just a couple of basic mistakes that gave away goals. On another day, that could have been a draw. Maybe Juventus deserved to win, definitely. But it could have been. We're going to be facing Juventus
0: soon again, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's actually going to be the next game in the Super Cup, which is the first time we'll have played in that, um, which has a different format this year. The semi. Uh, so that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's a new test, uh, maybe new motivation that we need, and perhaps we go there, and um, if we can get a result out of that one, then maybe that can be the springboard for a little bit more consistency in twenty twenty one, because you know there's not been too much change in the personnel in the squad there's still a lot of talented players there. They're just struggling to find the best form together. It's not quite clicking for for some reason. Um, But if all these players can get back to their best, then uh, they are still a talented group of players. And if they can put together a run of results, like I say, then maybe we can get back up to where we need to be. And if I can ask
0: you, uh, what could be one um, surprise and one disappointment really fast? You don't have to get too detailed about that on the women's team.
1: Um, so I would say really impressed with the impact that Paloma Lazaro has made, uh, came in as a striker. Last season we had Lindsay Thomas up front and she was doing very well. So I was thinking in the summer, do we need another striker? But Lazaro came in, she scored on her first two games and she's got six goals in 10 games. She's done really well, surpassed my expectations and she's been really important. Um, disappointment. Um, there's a few players who haven't quite produced what we'd expect of them. Uh, there's a few players that haven't even scored this season. Uh, goals have been not really shared around as much as they were last year. So, for example, uh, Lindsay Thomas hasn't scored in the league and Jose Bonfantini hasn't scored in the league. I think they're two players that if they can get their scoring form back, then they, that will be a massive help because they're two great strikers. Great, well, sometimes play wider. But um, great forwards. Um, but yeah, just not quite getting where they need to be at the minute. So hopefully in the new year, they can get back to the best.
0: Anything to add, James, on the women's side? Um, do you get to watch them?
2: I don't, I'm afraid, no. They are so but much that, that... fun.
0: Listen, in the last few months, I got into it. And listen, I watch every game. Like Sam said, they're not doing so hot. But I see the mm. potential. And the the matches are way closer then people, the results show sometimes, yes, I agree a hundred percent. anything you guys wanna add before we go.
2: Um, I just the only thing I would say is I think to some extent, you know, what what's gonna happen as going um getting in finishing in the top four will also depend on maybe some of the other clubs because um uh, their result it's really unpredictable. you know, it's really been an unpredictable season. It's a for, very tight
0: series, all- yeah, yes.
2: Exactly. And um, it's by no means certain. Although, you know, you could say you expect Juventus, who are down in sixth place at the moment, to finish in the top four, it's by no means certain they will. And even, you know, Inter Milan, if they have a poor period of form, could find themselves, you know, um, struggling. So uh, it's, um, it's all to play for, I would say. And the other thing, um, just one other thing, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but we play Braga in the last 32 of the Europa League, which I think was Paolo Fonseca's, one of his old clubs.
0: Yeah, he coached him for a season, I believe he was 16-17 or 15-16, before he went to Ukraine. With right,
2: uh, fairly recent then, so um, be interesting, uh, we played the second leg at the Olympico, so, um, and uh, Europa League is a competition that the club always say, you know, that they're You know, take very seriously, and um, of course, it would be great to go one better than Inter did last season, and uh, and um, and all the benefits that would bring to by winning a European competition. So uh, it's going to be very difficult, though, because I think if you look at the teams in the Europa League uh, last thirty-two, it's quite strong uh, this season, maybe stronger than it was last season. So. it's going to be difficult but um you know we do enter the year with three you know competitions potentially that we you know maybe we could win one of them you know
0: yeah sam what are your closing thoughts
1: um yeah so looking forward to the new year uh obviously last year we were in a similar position in terms of going into the winter break doing reasonably well and then the new year was the beginning of a slight downfall in the season. So hopefully that doesn't happen this year. Really intrigued to see how the next month goes. I've got a good feeling that we won't have the, the same slump as we did last year. We'll have a better reaction. And interested to see what happens in the Mercato. Um, Yeah, really looking forward to seeing where we are in a month's time and then beyond that as well. But hopefully everything's going to be uh, better than it was last year and we're going to build on the positive momentum we've been working with.
0: Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on with me. Uh, you can find Sam um, on his Twitter account, Sam Bano one He's a great writer. Like I said, he's, uh, his site, Rossi Yorkshire, has great information. It's a great read. And he obviously also writes for AS Roma, that comes sometimes the English, I, as a matter of fact, he wrote, uh, hours ago, he wrote a great article about Gonzalo Villar. Thank you very much, Sam, for being on with us. And thank you also, James, for taking the time and um, being on with us. Again, uh, really appreciate it. I know you guys are in England. It's a different time zone, so we got to make this thing work. But uh, really, guys, we could uh, get together and, for this episode. It's the last episode of 2020. You can find James on Twitter with the name wrote runner. You can find me with the name Samuel Rubio ninety nine. Obviously the show you can find with the name La Magicas. Everything is on Twitter. Uh we are gonna turn ten years old. Can you believe it? Ten years old uh in the first week of January. So I'm trying to pull up a little surprise for all of you. So hopefully I'm successful. In the meantime, thank you so much Sam. Thank you, James again. Thank you everybody. Thank Hope you guys had you. a wonderful christmas happy holidays whoever celebrates it a great 2021 definitely better than 2020 uh, and then we'll be talking uh uh only shortly i hope so i'm mean, still trying to do the one month uh, one episode a month kind of thing i'm struggling a little bit so i'm gonna try to get there uh thank you so much for staying on with us and for saroma ciao <laughs> We are the